This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%. So I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. What's up and welcome inside the SI Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. No Michael Fabiano, no Dr. Roto for this special edition right here. I'm welcoming my main man, SI's. Patriots maven, Devin Clements. Devin, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Hey, Corey. I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. No doubt about it. So let's get ready to hop right in and talk some New England Patriot football. Um, No Tom Brady this year, so this is the first time that we're seeing something like this in a while. Cam Newton comes in. He takes over a name, the starting quarterback. How do you think Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick put this offense together with a different style of quarterback than Tom Brady? Well, I'm quite honestly excited to see what they put together. Obviously, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are one of the greatest uh, minds and greatest duos of a head coach and offensive coordinator in the NFL. And when it comes to scheming up a game plan with Cam Newton under center, it's obviously going to be much different than Tom Brady under center because you're getting a quarterback now that can also do some damage with his legs. So with that being said, um, the offensive, the, the playbook is going to be the same. It's just a matter of them using some of the plays that, in the past, they never used. So they're just going to dust the pages off a little bit and start using them now. So I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw in Carolina from Cam Newton um, in terms of, you know, triple options and using his legs on boots and what, whatever it may be. And they're going to make sure that Cam Newton is utilized both in the running game and the passing game. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, back in the day, maybe even a decade or so ago, you would see like, you know, free agents come in or draft picks come in particularly at the quarterback position, and the OC or the head coach is like, okay, you're going to learn to play our system. And then they flop. You know what I'm saying? I think what we're seeing now is more coaches saying, okay, you know what? We're going to cater the system to what you can do best. We're not going to put you in our system and make you try to succeed in our system. Let's let you let's put you in the best position to win, and let's change the system so it can make you successful. Do you think that's do you think that's going on in New England right now? Absolutely, Corey. That's a great point you bring up. And I think when you're talking about the Patriots specifically, this is something that they've been doing for decades now. When Tom Brady became the starting quarterback, even when Bledsoe was the quarterback from them early, early in Belichick's tenure as the head coach in the early 2000s, they made sure whoever was under center, they were going to utilize their strengths, and they schemed around that. And they obviously had success with it over the past two decades with Tom Brady. We all know that. Um, so when it comes to Cam Newton, they're going to do the same thing. They're not going to try to throw the Tom Brady playbook at him, even though it might be the same quote-unquote playbook. There's pages, like I just mentioned before, there's pages of that playbook that they never use with Tom Brady under center because he has a different skill set than Cam Newton. So now they're going to dust off those pages and use them because they know that if they want to succeed with Cam Newton under center, they can't treat him like Tom Brady. Yeah, no doubt. And that and exactly 100% correct. And I'm glad to see that they are going that way because I think that that would be the best way to to, um, to, um, to make that happen. Now, when you come in here and you look at the situation with the Patriots as far as, you know, 
the Jared Stidham thing. I know me and you had joked. Maybe I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't joking. Um, <laughs> when the Patriots <laughs> signed Cam Newton, obviously I was like, this is to deter from the penalties that just came down with them. So I thought Stidham was going to be, let me say, I didn't, I, I thought Stidham was going to have a, a, a dog in this fight. And I thought that like Cam would test positive for COVID right before the season started. And then Stidham would take the starting job and run with it. What happened to Stidham? Why didn't my Cam COVID theory work? <laughs> well, there's a few reasons why a Cam COVID theory didn't work. But in terms of Jared Stidham, why it didn't work out, I think it's just simply because of the injury that hit him during training camp. Um, during fi- the first week of phase two of training camp, he had a strong couple days to begin phase two. But then he suffered a hip injury at some point over the next two to three days of phase two, which is why he ended up over like a span of three practices, had seven interceptions. Um, and then from there on out, for the remainder of training camp, he was limited, which obviously didn't help him when it came to his battle for the starting job. Because if you're not on the field enough for the coaches to evaluate you, then obviously it's going to be harder for them to evaluate you and does give the starting nod to Cam Newton because they've seen enough out of him and he's been productive enough where they think he's going to be a good starter for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it can work. And listen, right now in fantasy drafts, Cam is going outside of the top 12. He's not slated. You know, he's going in that 13, 14, sometimes as low as 15th quarterback, 16th quarterback going off the board. Do you think by the time we get to the end of the season that Cam Newton finishes as a QB1? I think it's possible, but I think in order for him to be a QB1, it's going to have to come out to the best case scenario for him, and that is – you know, him grasping the playbook fully and understanding it fully, that's him staying healthy the entire season. And then that's all the weapons around him just playing up to their potential, whether it be a, a Julian Edelman, a Nikhil Harry, a Sony Michelle, a Damian Harris, whoever it may be, one of their young tight ends. I think it's going to come down to that. But ultimately, we have to understand we're not – the New England Patriots fans are not getting an MVP caliber Cam Newton this year. They're getting a Cam Newton that's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league but we can't expect him to put up stats like he did in 2015 because that was in NFL years. That was a long, long time ago. And he's just not that type of caliber of quarterback anymore because of his injury history and because of where he's at in his career. Interesting stuff right there. It's going to be interesting to see how that, that, that situation plays out. I still think Cam still has something left in the tank. What he can do with his legs is going to really be able to help tell the tale. And if he can get some help from that passing game and speaking of getting some help from that passing game, I want to hop into that right now because, listen, you just cut Muhammad Sanu, which I found to be interesting. But being that Muhammad Sanu is not there, my thinking is that Nkeel Harry is ready to shine this year. I mean, that's what we're all hoping. Obviously, we know he didn't have a great rookie season, and the only way he can go up from his rookie season is up um, because, you know, he started half the year on injured reserve, and then he came back. He struggled to get separation from defensive backs while he was on the field. He struggled to grasp the playbook and then obviously led to a lack of production from him, which was a bit disappointing considering the Patriots drafted him in the first round. So we saw this offseason. He was working a lot on his footwork to kind of work on that separation aspect of his game. And unfortunately, I don't think it totally translated into training camp. Um, he, we saw some improvements from him during training camp, but it wasn't anything drastic to the point where we thought he was going to come out in week one and be an immediate producer for the Patriots offense. Um, but with that being said, without Mohamed Sanu, without a ton of depth behind him on the depth chart and him being a big body type receiver, possession receiver outside the numbers, which is something that Cam Newton likes to throw to. I think even though he might not be where he should be in his progression as an NFL receiver, he's still going to get the targets because of the way the Patriots depth chart has shaken it out at the receiver position. 
interesting. When you look at the rest of the guys that's on this list, and listen, to me, it looks like a, a much to do about nothing. Marquise Lee ended up opting out. I thought that they was going to depend on Marquise Lee this year. Marquise Lee is a guy with a good amount of talent. Not really sure what his uh, reasoning was for opting out. I'm sure it's family related or something like that. So, you know, I understand the safety precautions. But you look at the Mayor Bird, you look at Jacoby Myers. Who is the guy outside of Edelman, if it's not Harry, that's going to step up? And be, you know, kind of a, a somebody that Cam Newton can get the ball to and feel pretty good about, you know, you know, yards after the catch and getting receptions. And who can be that lean on receiver? Because, listen, Edelman is not getting any younger. Yeah, so this is where it gets kind of a bit tricky because, like I just mentioned, there's no, besides Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, who I just said is a bit of a question mark at this point in his career, there's not a whole lot of depth behind those guys. You just said Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers. Gunnar Olszewski, and then you got some UDFAs and some guys that might not even make the roster, even though they could probably use them on the roster, you know? They're mm-hmm. at that point. So um, I think if there's one guy I'd have to peg to be someone who could be a great producer for Cam Newton in his first year with the Patriots, outside of Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, I think it'd have to be Gunnar Olszewski. Um, Gunnar is a guy that came in to the Patriots locker room last offseason as an undrafted rookie um, out of Division II to Bemidji State. And he was a defensive back in college. Um, the Patriots transitioned him to receiver. And obviously, that's not an easy transition for anyone, anyone to make at any point in their football career, let alone entering the NFL. Um, but even at that, he was still pretty productive early in the year because the Patriots were stricken with injuries. They, you know, they had Antonio Brown, then they didn't after a week. Josh Gordon was getting hurt. Um, and he was, he was productive to a certain extent, considering where their receiver room was at. But then... He was on injured reserve in November, so we didn't get to see much of him after that. However, this training camp this summer when he came in, you could see a vast improvement in his route running and a vast improvement in his ball catching ability. So there's a lot of hope, um, especially when you looked at the numbers. And from what we saw in training camp from Gunner, he was the best receiver behind Julian Edelman by far. That's that's ahead of Nikhil Harry, ahead wow. of Mohamed Sanu, Jacoby Myers. So that just shows you the vast improvement he made over the course of this year. Um, so with that being said, He's a guy that could play in the slot. He can play outside the numbers. And because there's so many question marks around the roster and because of his vast improvement, I think he's someone that Cam Newton could grow um, a connection with pretty quickly this year. No doubt. And that can be a dollar make you holler late round draft pick. That could be a name that you circle and watch on your waiver wire. And that's why you come to the SI Fantasy Podcast. And that's why you sign up for SI Fantasy Plus and SI Fantasy Pro. Talking with Devin Clements. He covers the New Atrium, New England Patriots, excuse me, right here on the SI Network. So, all right, let's get ready to break this tight end thing down because, listen, you know, Rob Gronkowski was the man for, for forever. Now he's down there in Tampa with his BFF and Tom Brady. And I'm looking at these names on the on the, on the the roster, and I'm like, well, who going to catch the football? Is it just going to be James White and that's it? Is there a tight – James White, Julian Edelman, and then, you know, if Gunner pops, is there a tight end in the mix? Absolutely. The Patriots went out this offseason and they drafted two tight ends. They got Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene both in the third round. Um, the two guys that did very well at catching the ball and doing a, a few different things very well uh, in college. And now they're getting plugged into an offense that had arguably the worst tight end group in the entire NFL last year. So with that being said, those two guys are in that, that tight end room. They have Ryan Izzo, who is in his third year, hasn't really shown an ability to be really a starting tight end or even really a reserve option at the tight end position, even with the Patriots last year who had a 38-year-old Benjamin Watson and then Matt Lacoste. So when it comes down to those two rookie guys, I think the guy that you'd want is Devin Asiasi simply because 
coming into the draft and after the Patriots drafted him, there was there was a unanimous um, observation made that he could easily be one of the best tight ends in this year's draft class. It just came down to a little bit of character concerns with him. He was suspended in college. It was some questions about his work ethic, but we all know that once you go to the Patriots, and if the Patriots get you, they obviously see something in you. And if you're that willing, Patriot, to put, that's that Patriot way. <laughs> once you get plugged into the Patriot way, you either got to do your work or you're gonna you're gonna sit in the sideline. And from what we saw during training camp, and from what we've heard from the coaching staff in New England, Devin Asias has been doing everything right. He's been productive during camp. I believe. Uh, Take this for what it's worth with training camp receptions, but I believe he was number two on the list of for tight ends um, in training camp, just behind Dalton Keene, um, catching passes from Cam Newton. Um, but when it comes to his upside and his athletic ability down the field, I think he could be a Greg Olson type for Cam Newton and be productive for the Patriots at some point in this year. It might not necessarily be early in the season because we obviously know he's going to have to cut the training wheels off because he's a rookie and because he didn't have any preseason games. So it's going to take a little bit of a learning curve early in the season. But I say so that's towards the second half of the season, someone like Devin Asiasi could be an incredible value for you in fantasy football. Interesting. Good stuff right there. Breaking it all down, my man, Devin Clements. So let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself like you cover the New England Patriots, whatever? Like, would you consider yourself like a Patriot fan? Do, do you like like not like the Jets and not like the Bills or is this like this is a professional, this is a job. Like, what, Do you have a rooting interest? So I have a rooting interest, but it's not with the Patriots. Um, I cover them, obviously, because it's beneficial to me living in New England to cover a team that I live close by. No doubt. Um, so you cover the Celtics. I, I could. I could do that. You're right. <laughs> football, football is my sport, though. I grew up loving football, so that's what okay. I like to stick to. Um, I, I grew up as a Cowboys fan. I grew up in a household with a that's father. What's up. Yeah, I grew up in the household with a father and a brother that were both Cowboys fans. But How about them Cowboys, you come from a good family. Yeah, well, well here's the thing: it's gonna you're not gonna like what I have to say now, and that's the fact that in college, I finally, I think it was the, yeah, so it was the early 2010s. They were on the verge of the third eight and eight season, the Cowboys. Right, and okay, listen, enough. I was sick of mediocrity, and I wanted to change my team. So in college is when Andrew Luck for me came into the NFL. Um, he was playing in that Pep Hamilton offense where he was gunning it downfield to T.Y. Hilton and some of those other pass catchers that were on that team during that time. And I loved the way Andrew Luck played. So I finally said to myself, you know what? I'm going to give up the mediocrity that is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. I'm not going to join the the Patriots bandwagon because that's just too cliche being in New England. And I want to join a team like the Colts who have a bright future for them, or at least I thought it was a bright future. And now we realize. Yeah. So I, I joined the Colts bandwagon and, and I gave myself that one chance in my lifetime to switch teams. And right now it's not looking too great, but I have some optimism now that they got Phillip Rivers on the center. Yeah, no, you may have a shot to do something this year. You know what I'm saying? Um, Obviously, you're going to continue to work on that position because Phil Rivers is not going to be there for a while. What he does do is he gives them that downfield threat again, and that should open up T.Y. Hilton. They got that real good young offensive line, and they got those two good backs in the backfield with Mac. And um, and um, why did I say Mac? Um, you know, Jonathan the, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. I should not have let this skip my mind because a lot of fantasy cats are going in on Jonathan Taylor this year. And I'm like, don't get too carried away on Jonathan Taylor because Marlon Mack is still there and he's coming off a back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. But we do know what kind of talent and upside that Taylor has. Speaking of running backs, and this is where it gets tricky when you're in the New England Patriots. And I have beat my head against the wall with LeGarrett Blunt and, 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 and Brandon Bolden and, and you name it. These New England Patriot running backs is going to score all these touchdowns and be amazing in that offense. And Sony Michelle is my latest 
disappointment when it comes to New England. But listen, I think Michelle can bounce back because, listen, the yards per carry was pretty bad last year, but so was the offensive line. Could have been some injuries in there. We saw some flashes the rookie year. Give me some good news on Sony Michelle. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. Everybody talks down Sony Michelle. You right there covering that team. Give me some good news on Michelle. So here's the good news, and you're going to be kind of confused when I say this, but just bear with me for a second. Sony Michelle is as good as the Patriots' offensive line is. And what I mean by that is in 2018, when he came into the league as a first-round draft pick, he was already behind in a top-three offensive line in the NFL when he joined the Patriots. And we obviously saw how that translated onto the field. He had an incredible rookie season, um, especially for a, a rookie running back on the Patriots who usually when the Patriots draft the running back, they don't play a whole lot the rookie year, but he did, and he was very, very productive. He was just shy of 1,000 yards, and he had a great playoff run that year as well. He had six touchdowns during the playoffs. But then last year, center David Andrews goes down because he had blood clots. He was dealing with those. Marcus Cannon, Shaq Mason, Isaiah Wynn, you name it, they were injured at some point in time during the year, so some of the reserve options on the offensive line had to come in, and they obviously weren't up to par where they were where they usually were. Um, they were somewhere like in the middle of the pack of the league in terms of the unit production, but that's not where the Patriots should be when they're fully healthy. With that being said, now they're coming into the 2020 season where David Andrews is back, Isaiah Wynn's fully healthy, Marcus Cannon opted out, However, he didn't have a great year anyway last year, and with Jermaine Elamonor, who is luckily going to win that right tackle spot this year, he, if he is solid at right tackle, which is really all they need him to be, the Patriots offensive line is going to be elite again. They're going to be one of the top units in the NFL. So, to get around to the point here, Sony Michelle behind an elite offensive line should be a, another solid fantasy producer in 2020. How much is Damian Harris going to eat into that? I know Harris has the hand injury now. It could slow him down throughout the start of the season. But let's just say Michelle gets off to this good start. Is Harris going to come in and we're looking at the timeshare and then you got to add Jimmy White into the mix? Because, see, the thing about Jimmy White is we know that Jimmy White role, Jimmy White is James White, for those of you who don't understand my slang. Um, <laughs> um, do we know James White has his role at pass, catch, and running back, right? Yeah, but yeah for sure, for sure. What's up with Harris, though? Is You know, is the, the, the training camp hype around Harris real? It absolutely is. I mean, he ran violent during training camp. He was active in both the running and passing game. And this is why I'm kind of disappointed to hear this week that he had dealt with a, a pinky injury that requires surgery, and now he could be out potentially a couple weeks of the regular season. Um, because I thought he was someone, and I made a case for this on my site this week, that he should, he should get the bulk of the carries in week one against Miami because – there's no guarantee that Sony Michelle is going to be ready for week one, even though there is some optimism that could happen. Um, but Damian Harris is both effective in the run and pass game. He's got a fresh set of legs because he played little to nothing last year. And he was a steal when they got him last year in the third round. So I don't see why not put him in the game, give him a 10 to 15 carries, maybe even more, depending on how productive he is, and see how it works out because we all know there was no preseason. So there's going to be a lot of experimental football going on in the NFL in the month of September. So why not give Damian Harris a shot and let him be the leading back? No interest in Leonard Fournette, or was there interest in Leonard Fournette? What I was told is they kicked the tires on Fournette and kind of they gave him a call, kind of got a grasp as to what he was looking for in terms of money. But I think at the end of the day, honestly, they didn't really need him. They don't need to okay. bring in a, they don't need to bring in a guy like him with the loaded backfield that they already have. Um they got some young guys like a Someone like a J.J. Taylor who was undrafted out of Arizona. He's a guy that, that is probably going to make the roster now that Damian Harris is injured, and he has been comped to Deion Lewis. So when you have him, 
when you have Harris, when you have Sony Michelle, potentially Lamar Miller, then you go Rex Burkhead, James White, all those guys, you don't need a Leonard Fournette because it's just, there's no reason to bring in someone like him, especially when you have all these guys that can do different things for you. Interesting stuff right there. Breaking it down with Devin Clements covers the New England Patriots right here. Uh, Patriots Maven with the SI Network. All right, so let's get ready to wrap this up and bring this in and talk about some odds and situations like that for the New England Patriots this year. So right now, the Buffalo Bills are favorite to win the AFC East at plus 120. New England is second at plus 130. Then you have the Jets and the um and the Miami Dolphins bringing up the rear. So what do you think? The Patriots are the division champions or are the Buffalo Bills going to going to uh, take over, not take over, but all the, do the Buffalo Bills have a legit shot to win this division this year because they currently right now are the betting favorite? Yeah, I can totally understand why the Bills are the, the betting favorite. They, they've they done their diligence at surrounding Josh Allen with talent on the offense. We saw that with Stephon Diggs acquiring him this offseason. They want to make sure they give Josh Allen every chance to succeed, and you pair that offense with an elite defense, and you're looking at a team that has a lot less question marks around the board than the Patriots do. Now, granted, Bill Belichick still is the head coach, so you can't. You got to give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise that they can't compete at the highest level and compete for an AFC division title. Um, so while I do think it's still going to be a close race, um, I still believe that the Bills have the nod. Though I don't think if Cam Newton has a season that you know he has a season that is great and has a season that blows everyone's mind and is he gets back to being one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I absolutely see the Patriots winning the division. Interesting stuff. Let me ask you right quick before I get into their win total. What about this team's defense this year? Well, that's that's going to be that's going to be one of the things too. You you look at Cam Newton and his health. If he stays healthy, like I just said, I think they could win the division. But it's also going to require some elite defensive play. I don't expect the Patriots defense to be where it was last year. One, because their schedule is a lot tougher than it was last year, and two, they had a lot of turnover. They lost Kyle Van Noy. They lost Jamie Collins. Landon Roberts, just go down the list. Patrick Chung opted out. Dante Hightower opted out. So now they're left with a lot of rookies like a Kyle Duggar, like an Infernee Jennings, a Josh Uchi. These are all guys that were expected to play some kind of situational role this year, but then with opt-outs happening, all of a sudden now they're getting thrusted into a much larger role. Um, so while it remains to be seen how those guys are going to produce in a regular season game, if the Patriots want to succeed with a Cam Newton-led offense, they need to be able to control games, which requires the defense to give them the ball a lot and give them opportunities to score points. Interesting to see how that one plays out with the New England Patriots this year. It's definitely going to be a different season. Their win total right now is sitting at eight and a half. The over is juiced to minus 150, meaning the majority of the public thinks the Patriots can get to nine wins. If you're laying it down on that prop bet right now, what are you doing over under eight and a half wins for the New England Patriots this year? I'm going over. I'm going over. And when you, I look at the Patriots this year, I think their floor and their ceiling are very close to each other. Um, I think the worst case scenario for the Patriots this year is that they go eight and eight. And I think the best case scenario for them is that they go 10 and six. And I'm leaning towards the better case scenario, though I don't think it'll be the best case scenario for them. Um, when you have Bill Belichick, when you have Cam Newton, when you have some of the weapons that they have on both sides of the football, I just, I find it hard to believe, especially with you know the Jets in the division, the Dolphins in the division. I find it hard to believe that they're not going to come out with a winning record. So uh, until until this team implodes and until I see them p- playing poorly, I have to expect them to get at least nine wins this year. So I'm going to go at least nine wins, if not ten. 
you still have the best head coach and the best quarterback in the division, so that counts for a lot right there. Absolutely. All right, here's my man Devin Clements covers the New England Patriots right here on the SI Maven Network. Devin, you could catch Devin. What's your Twitter and 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 give them a full breakdown how to get to the site. Yeah, so you can check out my written content on PatriotMaven.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DevClemNFL, or you can check out our content on Facebook as well at New England Patriots on Sports Illustrated. All right, there you go, my man, Devin Clements. I'm Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget the SI Gambling Podcast is also live now, too, so check that out. I'll be back on Monday with Michael Fabiano and Dr. Roto. Until then, subscribe, give us a like, and make sure you catch us. And don't forget, sign up for SI Fantasy Plus for all your season-long fantasy needs. And then, of course, SI Fantasy Pro for your DFS and your sports betting. For Devin Clements, I'm Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive, and we are out.